Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Good evening, everyone. Cool. So, um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Stefan Boerta, and this is my wife, Amre. We've been married 17 years this year. Uh, yeah. Not as much, I believe, that Pastor Simon was married 23 years yesterday. So, congrats, uh, Simon. Um, we've got two awesome kids that's upstairs, and Greg actually asked me to just apologize. He's not uh, on holiday already. He's actually spending time with the kids upstairs. Um, and we are, uh, and Amran, I've been in, in the hub now of 19 years, so next year it'll be 20 years, yeah? And I've um, been thinking, even though we didn't meet here, um, this is really the place that we grew up, and all of our, actually not most of our friends, all of our friends, we met through the hub and through Connect Group and through interacting the church, so this really is our home. Um, so... We've been in week four now of our relationship series, and uh, we started off with um, CJ talking about healthy me, and how it's really the foundation of healthy relationships is what you think about yourself and being healthy on, on the inside. Um, the week after, Naya take us, took us through healthy friendships, and last week, Pastor Greg talked about healthy dating, and, and actually what the Bible says, and very interesting what the Bible does not say about dating. And what is our responsibility and what's God's responsibility? And one of the verses that he touched on was actually a well-known verse, Proverbs 18.22, that says, You who finds a wife finds a good thing, and he receives favor from the Lord. Now, I don't know if you know, but that good thing and that favor doesn't come by accident or comes automatically. It takes some hard work and especially it takes some preparation. And that's what we're talking about tonight is the preparation for the marriage and specifically the healthy engagements um, season. So we've got some two awesome couples that's going to share all their wisdom with us. We've got Emil, Andrea, Jess, and Zach, and they in a moment will we'll, uh, share a little bit about their story and really in an in a, in a atmosphere of how are we preparing for relationship. And I actually want to encourage for those of us who may be done with engagements per se, or those who may be a little bit further off, stay connected. And I think there really is lessons in every single sphere of a relationship where you are. Um, invest, um, analyze yourself, look at yourself, see where are the gaps that you can invest in yourself as well. So, yes. Question one, I think you need to go there. Okay. So, um, I think we're going to start with Emil and, and Andrea. So, tell us a bit about your story. Um, how did you meet? What attracted you to each other? And when did you know that this is the person you want to spend the rest of your life with? Um, so, we, Emil, actually slid into my DMs on Instagram. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, no, it wasn't very subtle, but it was effective, obviously, we are married. <laughs> um, and what attracted us to each other, uh, the, the main thing was the fact that we are both saved, um, because I, I knew him, you know, because we studied at UP, uh, he was a few years ahead of me, um, and I thought that, uh, 
all academics are atheists, which most of them are, um, but he wasn't, thank God. Yeah, he's going to answer the rest of the question. So um, we, we spoke for quite some time online, actually, because we met just before the pandemic online. And then we were restricted to just calling each other every day, um, talking over WhatsApp, that type of thing. But it was a really great space in which there was absolutely no physical contact whatsoever. And we could focus on what's important, getting the spiritual and emotional connection going. Um, so then th the first moment that Uncle Cyril allowed us to cross borders, I was down to Cape Town to go meet her immediately. And um, yeah, and then the, the rest is history, as they say. So we've been married now for one year, eight months and six days. So, that's good. So, so we let you guys know that it's serious, that this is beyond just a normal relationship, friendship, dating, but it's actually the person you want to get married to. Right. So, so I've thought a lot about the proper answer to this question, and, and, and I think for, for me what happened was that three things came together um, at, at the point that I knew that, that you know, the time is now. And the first one had to do with me, the second thing had to do with her, and the third thing had to do with the two of us. So the first thing was I had to be ready for marriage in the sense of I had to understand what the nature of marriage is. And sometimes I think we think about marriage as, you know, oh, the romantic feelings or I'm so excited to get married to you because of what I'm going to get out of it. But Ephesians 5 takes us back to the basics of what marriage is all about. And it says there, submit to one another in love. So it's about mutual submission and love towards each other. And actually Ephesians 5 specifically says to husbands, you need to love your wife like Jesus loved the church. And what does that mean? It means you need to love to the point of being completely self-sacrificial. It is a place of duty and it is a place of humble service towards one another. So you, 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 need, to, you need to know for yourself. You need to know for yourself. I'm not getting involved in this to get something out. I'm coming here because it is a site at which I'm going to practice godly love and service towards someone else. Then about knowing the other person, um, I knew that I needed someone who was going to be a biblically acceptable partner in marriage. I'd bumped my head many times before, not following the godly instruction, right? And so I knew, no, this time I need to do it right. And so I carefully looked at, at what the biblical requirements were. First made sure that I was a biblically acceptable spouse, <laughs> but then looked for someone else as well. And the key things for me was I wanted a woman who was filled with faith and who was going to be faithful. Obviously someone who was not related to me, that's another important <laughs> biblical requirement. Yeah. And we checked, I'm not related to him. <laughs> and then lastly, I didn't want someone who was legally or spiritually entangled with someone else. So that's another important aspect. I think the first one there is really, really important. You want someone who is subjected to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you need to understand the doctrine of lordship for yourself, and that person needs to have a good understanding of it. Because I think it's so easy to say, oh yes, I'm also saved, you know. In 2009, I gave my life to the Lord, and then nothing has happened since then. No, lordship is a daily thing, right? It's a matter of heart. Every decision that I take, every action, every inaction is directed by Jesus. And that's what I want to see. I don't only really want to hear you say it, I want to see the evidence in your life. What has Jesus said to you this week? What has Jesus said to you yesterday, in fact, right? What are the biggest things that you've learned this year? These are the types of conversations I want to have to make sure that this person really is walking with Jesus and that it's not just a matter of talk, that it's a matter of walk as well. And then lastly, in your relationship, you want to see the gospel being practiced and, 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 and that Jesus' love is being made real towards one another. 
So when you see that the other person is serving, that they understand their sense of duty, that I'm serving, that I understand my sense of duty, then we can serve each other and serve Jesus together. When those three things come together, that's when you know you're ready, I think. Amazing. Thank you for sharing, Emil. Um, Zach and Jess, some of the guys have seen you uh, dating and engaged, getting married. Now we get to see you awaiting a baby. Um, yes. Tell us, tell us a bit about your journey. You've shared snippets at the Hub before, but maybe not everyone was here when you did. So maybe just talk us through how you met um, and how you realized this is the person. Um, thank you. Um, sure. So we met at church. No surprise there. Um, that's a good place to meet. Absolutely. I think Amen. it sorts out a lot of stuff from the beginning. It certainly helps with wedding li guest lists when you are in the same community. Um, so we met at the end of 2018. I think it's interesting, and maybe you can touch on this just now. Zach already liked me at that stage, and I had no idea. But what's important, I think, about that is that I didn't know for a long time, even after we started hanging out. It wasn't like I started hanging out with this person and immediately it got weird because he was like, I want to marry you. You know, it wasn't, I had no idea. And so I think in terms of your process to follow after the Lord and still, even though you already had feelings to seek if this was the right thing, I think is a really important component as well. But we... Um, we were hanging out for a couple of months, like three months. From my side, <laughs> there was times of like frustration. I'm like, I've been hanging out with this guy. There's all of this chemistry. What is going on? And um, I, what's important there is that our mutual friend, Lyrico Tsoloane, really helped us, well, helped me to not overreact, to not jump the gun and be like, so, so, you know. And I think that that's important because each person does need to have the space that they need to pray and to process and to figure it out. And we need to give them that space without insecurity, um, which was essentially, you know, what I was wrestling with. So we started dating a few months after that because at that time I was in full-time ministry, Zach's a pastor's kid, there was a lot of attention on the relationship um, and we made a decision that we were not going to talk about marriage with each other for a while, that we wanted to just date, you know, to, see, to give ourselves time to get comfortable with each other, to see if this works, if it doesn't work, without that immediate pressure and expectation of the fact that you're instantly getting married because you're dating in the church. Um, I think that that can be a pressure that a lot of people face. So we dated for about six months. At, already before we started dating, I had been accepted and decided that I was going to go study overseas. It was very poorly timed. I had not planned on falling in love and also going overseas at the same time. It was, that was Jesus' plan. I thought I was relocating. <laughs> so much for that. But I made the right choice. I made the right choice. So I went overseas and I think that that was where things started to get more serious. And um, pretty soon after I went to Switzerland, Zach said to me the one day, okay, now I think we should start talking about marriage and about the future and open up room for that conversation. Um, I immediately was like, when do you want to get married? Which was not what he was saying. Literally, it was that night we had that conversation and then I couldn't sleep because I actually started panicking and I was 
terrified. I had gone from expressing all this excitement on the phone to being completely terrified overnight. And I messaged you at like 4 a.m. or something saying that I didn't want to talk to him for that day, which after you've told somebody you want to talk about marriage, I think that really gives mixed messages. But I just freaked out and panicked. And I was like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm overwhelmed. Um, and I did a couple of things. The one thing that I did was that I knew I needed to pray. I knew I needed to go and seek the Lord and figure out if this is the right thing. Context-wise from my side is that I think of all of the people in my family, I can only think of one couple that's still married. There's a lot of broken marriage in my family. There's also a lot of abuse that's happened in my family, and so I didn't realize it up until that day, but I went to go and pray and immediately got, I, I, I could see how much fear I had, how much fear I had about marriage. And specifically the idea of trusting a man. Like my mom had inadvertently put this thing on me of like, men are evil, don't trust them, you know, stay away. And so I didn't realize that I carried all of that up until that moment. And in prayer, what I heard God say to me was, well, do you trust me? Do you trust that I will be in your marriage to whomever that is? Because if you do, and if you're surrendering to me, then that's what counts. It's not about this person. It's actually about whether or not you're going to follow me. If I have brought Zach into your life, then that's what you answer to, not to whether or not this is a good enough person for you. So that shifted things a lot for me. That really helped me to not only trust the process, but it ended up being a really important thing. We went through, I think, our most difficult time in our relationship while I was in Switzerland. There were various things that um, happened that put me in physical danger that ended up bringing out a lot of Zach's fears. And so we both were reacting with all of this fear and insecurity that we had to work through. And I'm very grateful that we had the opportunity to do that before getting married, because it helped our first year of marriage to be really amazing. Um, and the other thing that I was going to say that was important for me in terms of processing that fear was that I did call a good friend of mine who said, I think you should ask a couple to start walking with you as a mentorship couple, even though we weren't yet engaged. And that also really helped us to have a space that we could talk through the fears and process some of the stuff that wasn't just on the other one. It wasn't just putting those fears on them. So, yeah, sorry, I've answered more than what awesome. you asked. But awesome. <laughs> Zako, you're going to add something. Sure, I'll add thanks a for, bit. Sorry, Jace, thanks for your <laughs> openness and vulnerability. Absolutely. To fill in a couple of the bits and pieces, you know, our story of coming together was a lot around community and community in this church. Um, specifically, just mentioned Pastor Loreco, who in early days was giving me advice as a in-love man who just wanted to propose to Jess right off the bat. Um, and he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Hang out with her first, <laughs> get to know her. Um, and then also a good friend to Jess as well and encouraging her to, to walk a bit of a journey. You know, we, we talked a lot about dating last week. And so we really very intentionally from when we started dating, as Jess said, we, sent a we set many boundaries, um, many good boundaries. But one of our boundaries was around talking about marriage. Um, it wasn't necessarily like that isn't the final goal. But we set a very hard boundary about it's unwise, and we see many people hurt themselves and hurt each other by very quickly, they're just madly in love, I can't wait to marry you. I, you know, saying really dumb things that are unwise in, in early, early relationships that, that aren't founded in any sort of substance, they're just emotional. Um, and so we set quite hard boundaries about we're not talking about marriage, we're not even talking about like 
the future. We're just really going to spend some time, get to know each other, get to know each other's character, get to know each other's values, get all the things we talked about last week and Greg preached about. Set that time together. And then it was when she went to Switzerland, it was soon after that we had a discussion, which was, can we move that boundary? You know, we, we've had that boundary now, and I think we're both in a place where we want to talk about marriage. We, we're in a place where we've really heard from God and feel like, yes, that's the next step, is let's open up that door. Um, that way we've protected our hearts, we've protected each other's hearts, and we've really had time to get to know each other and to get to hear from God. A lot of time of prayer, a lot of time of, of really seeking after God and then being like, okay, now we can talk about this together and not just get each other excited way too early and not having heard from God about that's the next step that we want to do. And so that was a very important part to us and it really brought a lot of, a lot of health early on. Um, and then because, because we had that phase, soon after we started talking about marriage, when all these fears and insecurities came out, there was a certain substance to our relationship, which is like, no, 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 we're going to work through this. And let's bring in another couple who are older and wiser than us, and we can ask questions, and we can be vulnerable to, and they can really feed back to us, and we can pray about it and work through it together as we're preparing to get married. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, you see why we got these guys to, to talk to <laughs> us tonight. Um, so we talked about dating um, last week. What we say is the, the biggest difference between being engaged with someone and dating them? What, what in practically, in your experience? Yeah, I'll jump on that one. There's, it's the preparedness to be, to be one. Um, when we were dating, there's a lot of getting to know each other, which is, can be a lot of fun and a lot of great conversations. But when you've made that intentional switch of, we want to get married, you're now then preparing, okay, how do I unravel my single life and, you know, subject it all to, we're going to come together. That, you know, it's not doing it immediately. I haven't opened up my bank account and all my things to her yet. But it's getting ready to do that. And it's my life, my work, where am I going to live? Um, how am I going to act with my family? You know, because there's one thing to have a girlfriend and, and Jess is going to be my wife, you know. You, you got to love her. You got to accept her. She's perfect in every way, you know. And, and we're getting married. Um, and so there's a, there's a prepare, preparation for oneness that really comes out when you've made that decision of what we're heading towards marriage that is different to when you're just dating. Yeah, I think that having um, the opportunity to plan a wedding starts some of those conversations around financial planning, financial decision-making, and how you go about that, and the role that family plays in your life. And, and that preparation, I think, is really helpful. Um, we, of course, had to make a lot of practical decisions. I relocate back here. I don't know if that's relocating. I came back here. And, you know, in terms of that work, where we're going to live, those kinds of things start to, is where you start that prioritization of this person above yourself, that oneness and that submission to each other. I also think it's worth mentioning that the devil attacks marriage and the engagement period can be attacked and can be very difficult. There's... There are pressures on it. It's a lot of fun and very exciting, but I've seen it with us, but also with other couples, that there's a spiritual attack also that can come in that period of time. And that's also where that it shifts from just we're doing, we're having fun experiences together to also now spiritually investing in this relationship and fighting together and fighting alongside one another that I think happens in that season. Awesome. Emil, Andrea? 
Um, I'll use the popular Zoom phrase of our time. Nothing to add from my side, thank you. I mean, I'll, I'll add something. <laughs> You're giving her some time to unmute. Where's the mute button? Um, I'll just add what what we did um, when we were when we were preparing for for engagement and marriage, and that was um, during during the period when we couldn't meet um, during COVID for the nine months of courtship that we had a courtship friendship that we had. Um, something that we did was um, the Bible app devotionals, because um, I think that that facilitated um, a lot of conversations, a lot of necessary conversations. Uh, you know, to to then establish that that this person isn't just saved, but you know, you can't see it in their life at all. You could hear from the way that he spoke, the things that he said, um, his views on forgiveness, uh, peacemaking, everything. That this is this is the person for me, and 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 then you can see, okay, he's ready, I'm ready. Let's do this thing. <laughs> so, just quick answers. How long were you guys engaged for? Before you got 11 married? Months. 11 months. And you guys? Two, two months. months. <laughs> <laughs> so it's possible to plan a wedding in two months. If there's only 15 guests, yes. <laughs> but, I, but I think it's part of the, sorry, I think it's part of the, um, the, the brilliance of God is that when he brings two people together um, and you walk with him, there's no recipe, there's no rule book, there's no, of course there's the Bible, but, but two people are different. And when God brings those two people together, there's a, there's a course that he charts for the two of you. Um, and it's, I think both of these couples have really illustrated how important it is to walk with God and to figure out with God what is right for you. Um, and obviously to seek counsel from, from, from wiser, uh, older people in the church um, to just keep in check. Because sometimes the... I think Jason Zach mentioned it. The the physical attraction and the emotions can run away with you as well. Yeah. So as Zach said, the the preparation or engagement really is the preparation of becoming one. And I think it's important to note though that um, two Corinthians six fourteen, and you've probably heard it says, uh, "Don't be unequally yoked." And Engagement is the season where you share your values, share your expectations, share what's important to you in life. And, and something important is that engagement is not marriage. And if during the engagement season you realize that actually, listen, this, we, we don't share the same things, um, then it's the safe time to end things there in a responsible and in, in, a, in a godly way and not to progress. And don't feel the pressure while we're engaged and we've made this promise to each other. Yes, you promise each other, but we have not gone into marriage, covenant with God. It's, it's a safe space. It's a safer space to end it there. And, and I know Pastor Greg loves to say a, a successful outcome of a pre-engagement, of pre-marriage course at the church is if a couple decides that, listen, marriage is not for us. And that's not a failure, that's not a yeah, marriage to each other. That's not a failure and that's not mean that you, you failed at this, at this thing. It's you made the responsible decision based on what you've learned from each other to, to stop it there. And, and that's also a, a godly decision. 
So, Anita, how did you guys go about sharing some of those values and expectations that you had for, for marriage and for the rest of their lives, really? So I think something that was really useful for us was doing the pre-marital course here at Every Nation Rosebank. Um, it's such a fantastic course. It's so good, actually, that people come from other churches in Joburg and beyond to attend our pre-marital course because it's just so great. So, and we don't... <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so we would just like to, to honor Graham and Lauren Foxton and, and the entire team for running a phenomenal pre-marriage course. You cover topics over a course of five weeks, each week a different uh, topic that's, that's compiled in a book that is beautifully biblically based with lots of, lots of practical advice, the nature of marriage, roles and responsibilities in marriage, um, good communication, finances, and um, love and intimacy. And what also happens is that it's not just a sage on a stage telling you different things. You have discussions in groups while you are attending these sessions. Um, and then you also get appointed a, or you, or you negotiate and you choose a marriage mentor couple. So also someone who's older, someone who's objective, but someone who's lived through marriage and who practices godly marriage. And so you can, you can liaise with them about these five different topics, but also whenever something pops up in your marriage subsequent to that, you can reach out to them and say, hi, we're struggling with this, do you have any advice? And so that was a, that was a wonderful place to, to clarify the absolute basics as well. Yeah. Yeah. Was there any surprises as you were sharing, you know, this is my dream and this is my values and this is what's important to me? Anything that you had to work through? Um, I'll take this one. Um, yes, there was a big surprise. And that was that because he's white and I'm colored, uh, that's apparently controversial for some people to accept. So that was a surprise. Um, some of our family members were not okay with that, and it was very traumatic and awful. Uh, but uh, thank God he worked in their hearts and now I am the favorite sister, daughter-in-law. Um. So, so, so if, if, if I can just add on to that, um, I think some of the complexity was, was really like, of course, the, the wounds of our past and the, the strongholds, the mindsets of the past that, that, that are still present today. Um, but, but when it came to the engagement, we had to have really difficult conversations with many family members and say, well, Look, actually, this Jesus guy who you say you worship didn't just come for you. Yes. He came for every nation, every tongue, every tribe, right? There's no longer Jew, there's no longer Gentile. That is at the heart of, 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 of what we believe, really. So it was a wonderful gospel-sharing opportunity, and then they said, no, thank you, you can go, we don't want to see you ever again. And that was tough, right? But it was a decision that we had to make. Are we going to be obedient to the gospel, or are we going to be obedient to man? So, of course, we, we, we desired to, to have our parents' blessing, but, but when push came to shove, we said we'll be obedient to God, not to man. But we kept on praying, and we said, Holy Spirit, change their minds, change their hearts. And we know that the gospel changes lives, and it transforms nations even. And that's exactly what happened in our case, is that with time, slowly but surely, the Spirit started chipping away the old ways of thinking and doing. And like she said today, she's the favorite child, actually, in our family. You can't believe it. Hey, the rest upon you, hey. Uh, Zach, Jess? I'm trying to think if there were any specific surprises. As Emil talked about in our pre-marriage course, 
Uh, chapter one is about expectations, and there's a great exercise at the end of the chapter, which is list 20, 25 expectations, which when you start writing out is quite a lot. You know, After four, you're like, okay, I'm out of expectations. <laughs> um, but then you start writing out all the little things. You write, you know, I want to have dinner together every night. Um, and I expect that because I'm good at finances, I get to do the finances. Or, you know, all these little things that you don't really think are as, like, foundational. Um, but then you sit with each other's list and you start asking what you think about this expectation of mine. Um, and that's such a valuable exercise, going back and forth. And, and just a, an important part of getting ready to get married is actually sorting out all the nitty-gritty bits and pieces of what, what am I expecting marriage to be like? Um, versus how were you expecting it? And where does it clash? Where do we line up? There was one where Jess said, like, she wants to see her friends every single week. And I said, I want to see my family every single week. Um, and and it, both great things, but it was very quickly, you could see our different views. Um, she didn't even mention family or seeing the family in the expectation list, although she loves her family a lot. Um, but it was a really helpful thing as we began to build and prepare to be one, getting that picture and talking about all the little expectations really helps lay it all on the table and really get ready to be married. Yeah, anything? Um, I think the only thing to add is that you do, or you should start to assess your partner's values before you get engaged. And I think Greg made that point already last week. But when it came to things like, you know, what would you choose above work and family, for example, having those kinds of conversations, I do think that the pre-marriage um, course really helps to flesh that out and to bring those things out. And as I mentioned before, we both had been through a phase and we're still coming out of that phase when we got engaged of dealing with fear and insecurity. And it's important to mention, not because that was a value or an expectation, but you interpret values and expectations sometimes through those fears and insecurities. And insecurities are typically just irrational, but they feel so real, and so you have to acknowledge them. And trying to figure out then, um, you know, there were like certain, I don't wanna go into too many details, but like some of the fears that I had around, okay, I'm just gonna go into details. Um, <laughs> it's just harder to summarize. Basically what had happened was, um, about two months after I had moved overseas, I had gone out with some friends and I had gotten drugged in my drink. And I had woken up then in the emergency room of the hospital. Praise the Lord, nothing had happened to me. My friends had seen that I was like suddenly falling all over the place and collapsed and whatever. And so they took me to the hospital. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for your hand and your safety there. The point was, it brought out like a visceral fear in Zach that something was going to happen to me while I'm halfway around the world and that there was nothing that he could do about it. And after that time, his reaction to that fear was, where are you? Where are you now? Are you fine? Where are you now? And that brought out my fears of being controlled by my partner because I had seen some of that, like I mentioned, there's been some abuse in my family and so I had seen some of that in my family. And so now I'm reacting to his fear, not with like love and grace, but with a lot of like, whoa, 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 is this how you're going to be when we're married? Because then it's a no. <laughs> um, and but the fact that we had started the conversation and then had decided, it meant that we're not just saying, oh, you're like this, I'm done. It meant we have to then figure this out because we decided that we're going to start working towards marriage. So now we have to deal with this 
having a pre-marriage couple was very helpful to be able to talk about it because I was very surprised to hear that one of the people now, um, one of the part people in the couple really related to Zach and we're like yes I totally get where you're coming from and I was like how this is so irrational and crazy but that was helpful because it gave me perspective into how I was perceiving it and how I was reacting to it and so I think that in terms of then when it came to talking about values separating out where I was insecure or where I was afraid from what I actually wanted to value and the things I wanted to prioritize in the marriage and being able to my fears and my insecurities, I have to take to Jesus. Zach does not have to answer to those fears and insecurities because that's not his responsibility. And being able to separate that out and say like, great, we're going to try and build certain values and habits because values are expressed in your habits. But whenever I'm feeling insecure about it, that's on me. And I have to take that to Jesus. I think that going through that process was so valuable. I mean, I wouldn't have known that before we went through that, you know? So yeah, that's just what I wanted to add. Amazing. Um, and I think it, it's, it's, it's beautiful how um, God uses the temptations, the attacks, the challenges that we encounter in our engagement season to really prepare us for what lies ahead um, in, in, in the many, many years that come thereafter. Um, we equally had, had a challenging engagement season. If you look back now on your engagement season, how would you say it prepared you for marriage? What are some of the things that stood out now in hindsight of your engagement season that you're grateful for? Sure, I'll jump on that one. Just after what Jess said, you know, we also had, we had quite a challenging engagement season. Um, and we had an we've had an amazing marriage since then. <laughs> um, it's been great because we spent a lot of time really working through fear and insecurity, um, as well as talking about values and expectations. And but communication, um, you know, it was it was not an easy season for us, and it was months of of difficulty and finding it difficult to connect and counseling and talking to mentors but really leaning on God a lot, learning to communicate, learning to be forgiving, learning to, to, be, to be loving in all areas, even when you're just feeling frustrated or scared or uh, insecure about your relationship. There was such a value in that season where once we, we got the input and we were doing it together and preparing to be one, that when we got married and we were one, we had a huge base to build on. Our foundation was deep and was strong. And we were <laughs> being married since then. We've, we've seen the benefit of all those habits of communicating um, and, and openly talking about insecurities and fears. Things that if we weren't intentional in our engagement season and we're just happily enjoying wedding planning, um, we would never have learned those lessons. And they would have come out double in marriage with a whole new levels of commitment and, and, and insecurities coming out of that as well. Um, uh, just, to add, just to add to what Zach said, um, uh, I think it's also so important to, to have a friendship with, with your future spouse because um, for us, we, any Emil can continue the story, I'll just start it. But we, um, we, were f like, we were courting for nine months, but we also had established a really good friendship because we couldn't meet, there was no way we could be attracted to each other or whatever. Um, and that was so important for our marriage later on. And, and even um, with, with the trouble with the family and so on, we, 
we can talk about anything and everything. Obviously, we go to God for the things that, uh, you know, he can't deal with and so on. Um, but we could talk about everything. And when there was a season in our marriage where it was extremely difficult, um, the foundation wasn't shaken at all because, because the friendship was there. Um, so nothing changed in that season. And then the second thing I want to add is um, I think it's very easy for for people to get into marriage with an expectation that this person is going to complete me, you know, and, and they're going to make me so happy and they're going to, you know, everything's going to be, yes, hearts and rainbows and a fairy tale, um, but it's absolutely not true because the only person that can complete you is Jesus. Um, you can't go to another person, no matter how perfect, amazing, spectacular they are. The only person that can meet every single one of your needs is God. So I think for me, what stood out was was really being sure that the person I got married to understood the gospel in the sense of when I commit to Jesus, I'm fully committed. I'm not partly committed. I'm not, you know, it's kind of like being pregnant. You're not you know, somewhere in between. It's either you are or you're not. Salvation's the same and marriage is the same. Your commitment is either full in or it's not at all. Um, and, and that was significant for me because five minutes into marriage, here yeah, I get a cancer scare. Um, thankfully, it was a benign tumor the first time that they had to remove, but then three operations later, and then this year, another big tumor scare comes along just, just a short while ago. And trust me, in those moments, you don't want someone who's going to be like, oh, love and light, and here's a crystal and some sage. <laughs> you know, may, may the universe be ever in your favor. You want someone who's going to call on the name of the living God to contend for your life in that time. And what happened for me was I was out there praying, and, and, and this was the prayer request that I sent out to everyone as well. Please just pray that this is the last operation, that this is the last tumor thing that they're going to remove. Andrea, on the other hand, was busy praying, Lord, let them go in and find a miracle, right? Inspired by the Go conference and this year's theme, she was praying, Lord, let them go find a miracle. And so I go in for that operation, and afterwards the doctor standing there, shaking me awake, I, I'm thinking, oh, this must have been very bad that he's like waking me up in this way. And he's like, dude, I found nothing inside of you. Not a tumor, not scar tissue, nothing is inside of you, right? The scans were clean, the blood tests were all of a sudden clean, it's a miracle. And that ultimately is, is not because of my prayers, not because of how good I was, but because of the power of the prayer of the person I was married to, who had more faith than me in that moment, right? So the foundation that you lay during the, the courtship phase, during the dating phase, during the engagement phase is so important because quite literally your life could depend on it. Well said, Well done. So I think what you get out of this is that engagement is way more than planning a, a wedding. Um, if that's the one thing you take out of, out of today, that's a good one. Um, but engagement is also a time of preparing for the intimacy of marriage. What kind of boundaries did you guys set in that season to be able to get to your, your wedding night eventually? It was not easy to maintain those boundaries, but we made it, praise Jesus, but it is not an easy thing and you need to I think for us, what was important was that every time that we struggled with it, 
What we said to each other is this is not a sin against one another, but a sin against God. And it sounds harsh, but that has to be the perspective if you're going to remember why you're doing this. Because Jesus made me to want intimacy, and it's important, but doing it at the right time and in the right way is just as important. And so we try to hold that very firm line of um, the fact that if it's, if it's for Zach, then I'm going to fail. If it's for the people in the church, I'm going to fail. It has to be because I'm doing it for Jesus and that Jesus is the one that I know is watching me in that space and cares about me and knows what's best for me. So I think that that was the one thing that we really tried to hold on to. Uh, yeah. Just one practical piece about physical boundaries is we were very intentional to set our physical boundaries as, as far away from the edge of the cliff as we could um, because, and this is we see with every engaged and getting married couple, is you're going to be tempted to push those boundaries a lot. Um, and if your boundaries is not right at the cliff edge, you're going to fall off really quickly. Um, but if you set them as far back as you possibly can, then even when you, when you do push it a bit, you can, you can stop and repent and go back to God, but you haven't had sex and fallen off the cliff because you just set a boundary that was, you know, at the edge of, at the, edge of the line. Um, but really trying to honor God with everything we do. And so our physical boundaries were none at all, you know, like nothing. Um, and so that, w- that way we were able to keep ourselves pure because it, it's not easy, and it was not easy for us. Um, and it was a real struggle. After 11 months of engagement, it was, we were very ready to get married. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think just quickly to add, like, practical things you should keep in mind are people um, being in the same house as you are if you're, like, not in a public space. You don't want to be alone in the same space together. You're inviting things that you shouldn't be. How late in the day you're seeing each other and spending time together is also something that's important to keep in mind. Um, Those practical considerations are really important and really helpful. If you fall, that doesn't mean now you can just sleep together. And I think that that mentality and mindset is wrong, that it's like, oh, I've stolen something once, might as well just keep doing it. No, no. You have conviction and you repent for a reason, and you repent unto righteousness. We don't repent so that I feel better. So when that's, there wasn't, um, for us it was like that thing of there's no excuse, right? Having done something, having whatever it was. Um, And let's say, let's say we had, had sex before we got married, then you should stop and tell people and pray about it and put all of those boundaries in place to pursue purity. Because your pursuit of purity, if you're not taking it seriously in engagement, you're not going to take it seriously in marriage. And it's a lot easier to fall in marriage when you are exposed to sex, if you had walked that journey. Then it's like, how do I know that somebody's going to stay faithful? Is going to watch their eyes? Is going to whatever? You start that and you have to maintain that. So I think for me, sorry, it's just a really important point that we don't excuse sin. We don't make excuses for sex just because it's something that we desire and that the world is portraying to us as a healthy way of living. We know that the Bible is true and we pursue righteousness. And I think that that is so important from when you're engaged. Awesome. Thanks, Jess. You want to add, Emil? Um, so definitely only being engaged for two months definitely helped <laughs> that, that the temptations weren't too big. Um, <laughs> and um, I mean, I, I, I would strongly recommend um, doing victory training because one of the chapters there is about sexual sin. And if you've walked the past with, with lust before, 
that is a sure way to, to put that as, as part of your history, not part of your present or your future. And, and if you feel like you are being overwhelmed by the temptation in the moment, follow Joseph's example and run. I think that's a very good one. I mean, in my case, it was literal and, you know, then started running 10Ks, 21Ks, so, <laughs> so that also helps. But also just to add, some, some, a useful tip that someone gave me was, if you're really struggling, pray and say, Lord, just, just open my eyes and give me a glimpse of your power and your authority. I know that you're loving, I know that you're kind, but show me your power and your authority so that I've got the fear of God inside of me. When I prayed that prayer, she could try to talk to me, I would push her away like, absolutely not, because I saw a glimpse of it and it was terrifying, yeah. Um, so maybe as we wrap up, um, thank you for sharing. Um, maybe as we wrap up, is there maybe final thoughts, words of wisdom? Maybe there are guys here or ladies that are planning to get in ma- uh, engaged or married. Um, what, what would be your final words to share? Um, I would say don't hold anything back. Like whatever, whatever you've done, whatever your f- fears are, um, as Jason and Zach have said, what like share everything, speak about every single little thing because whatever I think, whatever you hide um, before you get married, it comes out in, in when you're married and, and then it's way worse, you know. Um, and also it, it deprives the other person of, um, you know, you're basically lying. You know, you, you're setting out, you, you, you're sending out this representation of yourself that might not be accurate, and you don't want to start a marriage in that way. So I would suggest talking about everything. Even the things that I was worried to tell Emil, <laughs> uh, it turns out I would, like, disclose something, and then he would be like, oh, me too, you know? And, and it actually brings you so much closer as well. Um, and it just strengthens your friendship and later on your marriage. And then also, um, what is that? Oh yeah, then just, just have a strong friendship. That's really, that's also very important. Yeah. Awesome, thanks Andrea. Zach? My final thoughts would be the, the habits and the culture you set in engagement is what you're preparing for marriage. And so whether it's physical boundaries if we set, you know, habits of, of we repent and we, we go to God with things, and that's what we're setting up in marriage. Um, we see many couples who, who unwisely spend a lot of money and get into debt right before they get married and set these bad habits or, or don't, don't tell your partner everything, you know, and right from the beginning have kept secrets or not disclose things. That Whatever the habits are you put in engagement, that's what you're going to carry through into marriage. Um, and so be vulnerable, be honest, be loving, be wise. Um, whatever you do, do, do it, because that's your foundation that you're going to build on as soon as you get married. I think the only thing that I would add is that it is important to remember that marriage isn't two people only. You are bringing two families together, and there are going to be dynamics and things to consider when bringing that space in. I think it's important to be aware of, um, I, I set the culture for my family's acceptance of Zach and how they engage with him and receive him and vice versa. And so in terms of how I fight for Zach or whatever or ask Zach to be included in something, just as examples, those types of things I think are important. We have 
amazing families, but we still had to deal with some dynamics because every family has them. And I think that if even more so if your parents are not saved. Um, so Zach's parents are both saved, mine are not. And dealing with the different culture and perspective and attitudes towards bringing this together and how we were going to do marriage and how we were going to do the wedding, I just think that that's, that takes some wisdom. Speak to your pre-marriage um, counts couple about that and set the tone for Jesus at the center of your marriage with your families and prioritizing one another. We did also though have some amazing moments of our parents sharing wisdom with us and I think that that's also important. Sometimes we get defensive about our partner because we so desperately want our families to accept them and we don't always listen to their wisdom. And so I think that we also had to learn that, was that balance between setting the tone and being the person to say, this is how you treat my spouse, but also hearing where they're at and hearing their wisdom. So those, I think, are the only things I would add. Amazing. So if anyone's sitting out there, single, thinking engagement is still very far away, that's okay. 1 Corinthians 6, I think, makes it clear, 6 or 7, makes it very clear being single is a good thing. Yeah. It's fine, right. right? But during that period of being single, it's not single the way that we conceive it in the world. Single meaning I can treat other people as disposable, I can go and test drive whoever I want to, you know? People are not cars, people are human beings. So during that period of, of singleness, that is the time to, to work on healthy me, I guess. That is the time during which you can serve the Lord fully with your time. You can make disciples almost <laughs> full-time um, during, during that season. Embrace it, make the best of that time, because whatever you do in that season is what will prepare you eventually for marriage that lies ahead. Yeah, And I think, Emil, to build on that, is whatever you do, don't do in that single phase, you inevitably take into marriage one day. I think for me, in hindsight, that's the one thing I, I wish I'd known as, as a youngster, uh, and equally for Stefan, is that whatever you choose to do in your singleness, it, it is stuff that you um, uh, can take into marriage. And I think your recommendation of Victory Weekend is, is so powerful. Um, Stefan, are you going to yeah. close for us? Yeah. So first of all, I think let's give them a round of applause. Thanks so much for the vulnerability that you showed. So... Earlier this year, I had an, actually an immense uh, pleasure and privilege to uh, join my, my cousin, white guy from Stellenbosch, married a Tsonga lady um, all the way in Guiani. And um, he asked me to join in the Labola process. Um, and that is a fundamental part of so many of us and our, our, our story to, to marriage and our story through engagement. So... Pastor Simon, who is the expert, I'm not the expert, I've only done it once, um, is here to just talk us about what is our, what is our church's view on Labola, where does it fit in, and how to do Labola in a, in a godly way. So with that, thanks guys for joining, and then over to Simon. Can we give another round of applause for the panelists? Great job, guys. Well done. Well done. Before I do my quick spiel, I must tell you about these couples, right? How many people were at your wedding, Zach and Jess? 200 and something. Pro proper black uh, wedding. They played Sister Bettina. My wife and I still play a clip from the, 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 the wedding. Like when we want something to laugh at, we just like watch them dance and to Sister Bettina. Just to be clear, our World Cup rugby song. 
And uh, this couple here, Emil and Andrea, they're both lawyers. So you can see the approach to life, you know. Uh, and he's a professor in law, she's a law going to study PhD in law, like they're just taking it to another level. But I want to tell you about a couple. They're both actuaries. My wife and I were walking with them, about to get married, Vicky and Soren, and uh, they came up with an Excel spreadsheet while they were engaging with each other before engagement to check the risk of if they were to be engaged and get married, whether their marriage will work. Literally, they had an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, like at their wedding, I had to expose them. I said, the only couple I know, they had an Excel spreadsheet to check the risk. One of the questions there was how often they'll have sex together. I'm telling you, guys, I pray that you'll not have to go that extent. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide you. You don't need to have an Excel spreadsheet. So there were so many nuggets that came out of tonight. So many nuggets. I like what Stefan said from the beginning. Not only for those who are still planning to get engaged, planning to get married, even already when you're married, that level of vulnerability we need in relationships, it will help us to build strong. If we hide things from one another, we will never get to the place of intimacy that God has for us. So I'm grateful to the Lord that um, we had also people that we walked with during our courtship dating stage, and we still walk with them today. Even though we've been married 23 years, we still need input from other people. Amen. Amen. So I uh, wanted to explain to you that in this church, we have a three-stage process of uh, lobola or a process of getting married, especially culturally, there can be so much confusion. So this three stage, it helps us to understand when we are now married. Because we know that culturally, once you've paid lobola, you are seen as married. But now, where does God come in there? So in the olden days, we've researched this, we've written about it. We'll put it on the, on the website so that you can be able to read about it. Um, when the parents of the groom goes to visit the parents of the bride with the uncles and the aunts and they say, we are coming to ask for your daughter's hand in marriage. From that first meeting, that's an engagement. They will say, there will be a bird's feather literally on her hair to say this one is taken. There was an engagement ring. Are we together? So once that first meeting has happened, that is the initial process of Lobola. The second time they come and complete the Lobola process, this couple, they are seen as married. So we say the first stage or the first step of getting married is the involvement of the parents. Whichever way your culture does it, the parents must be involved. Are we together? It may not be that the parents give you a blessing. I think a good example is Emil and Andrea. There are times where your parents don't give a blessing because they don't like the person. They don't want you to marry them. When you've heard from the Lord and you guys want to be together, God works out miracles. Sometimes the parents, they uh, trail in later and they support you guys. But the first stage is to involve the parents. The second stage is the signing of the marriage register so that the government can recognize you as married. But also, it's a contract, it's a legal contract to show that you are now married. The final stage is the blessing of God through a minister who blesses you to say the blessing of God is on you. Now, did you realize that I did not mention a white wedding? 
Because some people think that it's only when you have a white wedding celebration that you'll be married. We're saying involve the parents on the day that you conclude the lobola, the second meeting, and you want to be seen as married, you can invite a minister, a pastor to be there to bless you so you can do your vows, you can exchange rings, and you'll be seen as married. That's you married. If you want to have a white wedding celebration later, you can still do it. But from the time you've finished paying Lobola and you have the blessing of God and you sign the marriage register, you've done all three stages, you are married. Are we together? So some couples tend to do a traditional celebration when they conclude the Lobola. And that traditional celebration, they didn't receive the blessing of God. It's just a traditional celebration. And then later... They will do the exchange of vows, sign the register, and then seen as married. That is your choice. We are not saying you have to have a white, a white dress, to be specific, to be married. As long as the two of you have agreed that we've involved the parents, we've signed the register, we've got the blessing of God, we are married. So we don't want you now, these are some of the calls that I get. You do the first meeting, the second meeting, you conclude Lobola. And then they call me and they say, Pastor Sai, the parent says we're married. Do we now move in together? No, we're saying invite us so that you can get the blessing of God. And then from that time on, you are married. Are we together? I will be available after the service to answer any questions that you have. I want to emphasize these three things. The involvement of parents and then the signing of the register, the blessing of God. All those three can be done in one day, you are married. If you choose to separate them and say we're going to do them separate times, that's also okay. Amen. Amen. Can I ask you to stand? This document that we have written, we will put it on the website. You can be able to read the history of Lobola. And I mentioned uh, two weeks ago when I was preaching that Lobola, it's not meant to be this commercialized profit-making scheme that we see today. Lobola, it's meant to be bringing down the two families and exchanging of gifts. That's the history of Lobola. It's the exchange of gifts, not putting this exorbitant amounts of money that we see and it becomes a hurdle from people getting married. So as I was talking with Stefan at the beginning of the service, I really felt like we should take time to pray for two groups of people that are here tonight. Maybe you are here, you've been disappointed in a relationship that you thought it was moving towards an engagement and it never ended in an engagement. And the second group of people is you're trusting God for marriage. You're still believing God for marriage. And I know that it can be a very difficult season to be in. But what we have had again here tonight from the panelists is the season of being single, enjoy it, but at the same time, work on yourself. Work on yourself. Healthy me. Be healthy first before you want the other person to come and complete you because they are never meant to complete you. Only Jesus can complete you. So let's bow our heads and pray. Holy Spirit, I invite you right now to come to the hearts of those who have been disappointed in relationships. Some of the people that may be here, Lord God, they may have been in relationships that uh, didn't work out. And even as we heard from the panelists, is, uh, at times people go into a relationship, whether courtship, dating, or engagement, and they feel like, no, 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 we cannot break this. 
but Lord, actually that's better than breaking a marriage covenant. If a courtship, a dating relationship, it's not working out, may they know, Father, that God, they are forgiven, they are released, Father God, that you're not holding anything against them, Father. Some people here, Lord God, may still be carrying the hurt. Some people are carrying disappointments from relationships that didn't work out. Lord, we pray that today you'll bring healing in the name of Jesus. And Lord, even those that have lost hope in marriage, Lord God, and thinking I'm okay to stay single, I pray that you will bring hope to their hearts, Father God, to believe again, to trust again, Father, that God, you may want to bless them with someone they can do life with. Father, I pray, Lord God, for those who are yearning and longing to still be married, Father God. We know that, God, we can trust in your goodness, Father. We can trust in the fact that you want to bless us, Father God. And Lord God, you're not like those fathers who will hold back on their children. You want to bless each and every person that is here tonight, Lord God. And I pray, Father, that God, you will lead and guide them and order their steps, Father. I really feel just in the spirit, there's certain people that you may have even believed the lie of the enemy that you need to bring down your values. You feel like you need to change who you are to meet someone else. I just want to say that's a lie from the enemy. You don't need to change who you are. You don't need to compromise your values. God will bring just the right person for you who will love you for who you are. Father God, you know where each and every person is in this room today. Meet them where they are, Lord God. I ask that you meet them where they are, Father. Meet them where they are, Lord God. Any hurts, any disappointments, Lord God, I pray that you'll remove it, Father, in the name of Jesus. And those, Lord God, who have lost hope, Father God, we pray that tonight they will walk away out of here with hope. With hope, Father. With hope, Lord God. With hope. I pray in this series, Lord God, as we end it and conclude it next week, that what will come out of this sermon series will be, even though the standard, the bar may be high, the grace of God is deep enough. The grace of God is deep enough. The grace of God is deep enough to help us to live up to the standard of Christ. We are not going to settle for less. We are not going to settle for less. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God all the praise. Let's give God all the praise. Before Neo comes to close for us, I want to tell you guys, it is possible to have a happy marriage. I know that a lot of you, you may have seen in movies, you may have believed the lie. It is possible. My wife and I, we just celebrated 23 years of marriage yesterday. We've been together 27 years. Together 27 years. We have been faithful to one wife for that long. I have learned a new term while we are on, uh, on, on this anniversary celebrating. My wife said to me, baby, you are mine forever. I was like, wow, it even sounds better in vernacular. We're now for life. God bless you. <laughs>